This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the morning break with me, Kanduk Kutik. We had a slight technical difficulty, but I am here now. So it's Monday, 18th December, and today my guests and I will be exploring differences in the classroom, covering anything from personalities, abilities, interests, this and is Teachers Talk styles. Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So hello again. Sorry about that, everyone. We're a little late. I mentioned in my introduction that we'll be exploring differences in the classroom. But what does differences actually mean? Well, in any given classroom and at any different level of study, teachers will encounter students from diverse backgrounds who will have unique personal and individual differences. Each and every participant in our classroom will receive our input differently. And this in turn affects their performance and behavior in the classroom. My first guests are Miria and Lisa, two young people currently in initial teacher training and with some very recent classroom experience. They'll be telling us what they feel or how they perceive differences. Hello. So, Hello. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Miria. I am so sorry about that. But let's. What do you think they're talking about? What might they mean when they say different? I'm sorry. I couldn't understand. Uh, on what you're saying because there were some tech problems i think okay i'll just repeat my question <clears throat> if a teacher says comes out of class and says oh my goodness everyone in my class is so different what do you think they mean by that so i think that every child or every human person is different in their own ways and i think you have to so you have some people that are more outgoing and some people that like to be by themselves. So I mm -hmm. think that a teacher has to yeah, adapt to each uh, student individually. And um, I think that's what you mean by different because not everyone is alike. Some, for example, somebody is better in math or somebody is better in um, languages. And I think mm -hmm. that's what the teacher has to really look at and has to adapt to. Okay, so you're saying, you know, I mean, what, what you say, Miria, is really interesting because all these kids, right, or these young people, they're in class and, and they go from one subject, from one lesson to the other, and they don't all, you know, cope equally well, um, whether they're in math or in English or in sciences. Um, you mentioned a very interesting thing also about personality differences. 
and and that impacts how we work. Lisa, what other differences can you think about, or what differences have you experienced in your recent teaching? I would say that every student has a different ability to understand tasks or work with them. Mm. Um, I think that's a, a major difference in um, in class or in the um, in school. In yeah. General. Yeah. 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 So their ability to deal with tasks. Um, how would you? I mean, as a teacher or as a person who's going into full time teaching at some point in the near future, what do you feel about? differences about dealing with differences how do you feel about it i think it can be quite a struggle for um a teacher to really um think about every student in the room to um deal with every personality and adjust the tasks so that every student can deal with it on their own level. So I, I hope I, um, yeah. Yeah, I get I what that. you're saying. I, I get what okay. you're saying, Lisa, <laughs> that it's it's challenging not just for the student, right? You're saying that it's challenging yeah. also for yes. the teacher. Yes. Because you have on average, what, 25, 35 students? And, and if you have all those different personalities and, and you mentioned yeah. abilities. Yeah, you yeah. have to consider all of, the uh, students' abilities or background personalities, and I think it can be struggle, or it can be a struggle, or lead to problems uh, concerning different or several tasks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Miria, could you add to that to what Lisa just said about, you know, with the different abilities and different personalities, it 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 gets difficult. Um, yeah, I would agree with her, but on the other hand, I would say that. Um, most of the teachers in training or most of the teachers have like this teacher personality so they try to help people and they always try to interact with some people and I think a teacher really has to have the ability to adapt and to emphasize with um, different people and so I think it's yeah when you have this teacher personality I think it's sometimes it makes it easier to interact with um, the different personalities Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What kind of personality does a teacher have to have or should a teacher have? Um, I think that, um, yeah, like I said before, a teacher should be able to, yeah, adapt to different situations, to different people. And mm -hmm. um, he or she should also yeah, emphasize with the children and also has um, to have knowledge about the topic. So, for example, when I was in school, I know that Every time we have like uh, yeah, a teacher evaluation, we always said, okay, a teacher has to know what they're talking about because students notice mm -hmm. if you don't have a plan about the topic. And um, it, But it's also really important that a teacher listens to the students. So if they have questions about the task, again, he should explain it and not say, okay, um, I don't want that because you have to get it. So a teacher has to come and help the students and yeah, has to be outgoing because they won't li always listen to you. And um, yeah, I think that's what's the most important about a teacher, that they listen to the students and um, 
try to educate them. Yeah, um, I like what what you said there about the teacher having to know the subject, right? And and being open. I think what you're saying is that so the teacher, let's say let's say we're talking about the English classroom, okay? And and we're here and we're talking about learners of English as a foreign or as a second language. And you're in the classroom or a teacher's in the classroom and they're teaching and you've got learners who are quite quick to pick up on certain aspects of the language and they're keen and they're interested. And then you have the ones who, who are a little bit slower, right? And and who need a little bit more time and need a little bit more explanation. Um, that's a learner difference, right? That's a difference in, in how yeah. a person receives knowledge, but the teacher is unable to, to go deeper in the subject. The teacher is unable to, to explain further. Do you feel that that's a case of lack of teacher knowledge or do you think that could be a case of a teacher not being willing to deal with this difference? Um, I think it's rather a lack a little bit because when I think about um, what I learn in university and um, for example about the differences of yeah teaching styles and how I can help children that need a little bit more yeah help mm -hmm. <laughs> um, support we could yeah, say support yeah sorry um, I think I don't really learn that here so. I think it's, but it's also depending on which grade you want to teach. And I know that, for example, for elementary school, they really are focusing on that. But for on how higher, to support learners? Yeah. Mm, okay. But I think uh, for the higher classes, we don't really focus on that so much. So I think. So that's a gap. That's a gap yeah. in the training program. Yeah. You would say. Um, before. Um, I let you go before I let you and Lisa go. Could you mm -hmm. um, share with us some of the other differences that you've experienced in your recent teaching experience at our local secondary school? Because I know you were there and, and you worked with some um, kids who were really, really new, so to speak, learners of English. Um, they didn't have a lot of English. What were some of the differences that you'd experienced within that group? Um, so I think the most uh, thing that stood out was that we had, like I said before, we had um, children that were really good at English. And we also had children that needed a little bit more support or that couldn't even yeah. speak English. And um, there was <clears throat> also one child that mentioned that we can't speak so much German. So we are from Germany to the people mm -hmm. um, that are like that. And I think the difficulty there was that we always had to explain what we said in English. Uh, yeah, but we said yeah. English to them in German and so the other child or the other children felt a little bit left out because they wanted to speak to us in English much and right. I think that was one of the biggest um, difficulties that we had so the, like you said Definitely. before the difference of um, yeah abilities yeah the different inabilities of the students yeah yeah and that is the thing isn't it you want to do you want to do right by everybody yes. and um if we're thinking about that project that you did you know what you shared with us where you had a small group of students and the feedback you did at the end where you had some students who said they wished you'd spoken more english to them and then 
at the same time in the same group, you have students who weren't as good, but they were motivated and they were interested in being in that, you know, English club group. Yet, you know, you need to fill in the gap for them in German. That's, you know, you, you, you don't know, am I doing the right thing now? Am I doing something wrong? Um, and you're definitely right. It's, it's not something that's covered in teacher training. It's not covered in my teacher training either. But thank you for your input. Um, you can stay in the show, but um, mute yourselves or you can leave the call because now we're going to hear from Maria who has been teaching in a secondary school for the last year. And Maria will share her experiences um, of differences in the classroom. Thank you very much, Lisa and Miriam. Maria, it is over to you. Can you hear us? Can you say hello and tell us what you're doing these days? Hello there. Can you hear me? We hear you very well, Maria. Ah, that's wonderful. Right. I can hear you as well. So everything's fine. Um, yeah, so um, I listened a little bit to what you were saying. Um, and I can agree with some of the points, but I also have to say that I think that if you go through teacher training, um, you can't really, um, let's say, you can't really practice all these um, situation which you which, which can come up in classrooms, right? Uh, right? I think this is a process of, you know, being a teacher and being in class and um, having to deal with problems at the moment. And I think um, you develop certain strategies um, on the way. You know what I mean? I, I know so what you I mean. Remember, yeah. yeah. So I remember when I was in teacher training, there were so many situations in which I thought, how am I going to deal with uh, 30 kids in class that maybe have different learning abilities that are they have very keen interest in English others um, are barely able to speak a correct sentence after two years of training um, and it is indeed not very easy but as I say you start to develop certain strategies uh, one being that for example I always have a set of different tasks right so when i know what the topic for the day is um what, what the topic is then i usually um think of um you know depending on what kind of secondary school you are teaching so this is these are the goals for for that day this is what i mm -hmm. want to achieve right and right. i will kind of uh, come up with uh guidelines to to get most of the students to this certain point right? Um, right but then i know after a while i know my students right so i know there might be five six people kids that that have problems with this kind of exercise so can i think of ways to make it easier right sometimes mm -hmm. it might be the task that i have to give a little more explanation that i have to give examples basically scaffolding right and yeah. um, I think you develop a certain feeling for this, right? Um, you know how tasks work, how they understand it, uh, and you can work with it. You can always create tasks 
and have like extra work or give extra help. And usually mm -hmm. what I do is specifically if I have like five, six, seven year uh, students of the fifth, six, seven year, um, they become um, quite eager to become experts, for example, right? So the kids right. that are very, that are very fast in learning a new grammar, for example, I can make them teacher of the day, something like that, right? Okay. Um, so I try to involve games um, for the ones that are always finished first. I ask them to peer evaluate, to become teachers. Mm -hmm. um, I work a lot with bus stops um, where they have to go when they finished with a task and where students, the other students can go to ask for help. And then on a peer level, they try to solve the problem. Uh, and if they cannot, then they ask me. So that always works with the ones that are always quick, right? Right. Um, so this is usually uh, something that works very well, right? So peer support okay. and collaboration processes. Mm. Let's, let's take course, a, yeah, sorry. sorry, Maria, let's take a few steps back then. So what okay. you're saying, okay, no, it's really good ideas and I'm going to pick, pick up on them, but I want to go a few steps back and it's here. Yeah. What you're saying is actually, it begins in the lesson planning stage. It's not yes, about having, you know, it's not about having your lesson plan and saying okay i'm going to go into class this is what i'm doing right it's you've got an additional yeah. step it's there's an imperative yeah. step you need to do it so you have a yeah. plan of what you're doing and also of how you're doing it and an experienced yeah. teacher like you say you learn on the go you get to know your students yeah. of course it's difficult the first time you meet any class but as you get to know them better and as you get to know their personalities you can then have what I call your basket of tricks, right? Your yes, pocket full absolutely. of tricks where you can, you know, you don't know, maybe sometimes, you know, okay, that group of students will always be the ones to finish first. And, and that one's always the one who's probably going to struggle and you can plan that accordingly. Yes. And it has to come in the lesson mm -hmm. planning stage. Tell me about yes. bus stop. Explain it to me. Ah, so bus stop really means I put up a sign says that says bus stop, right? And let's say they have various grammar tasks, right? Um, I asked them to use possessive determiners, right, last week. Right. And some kids um, are very good at it. They are fast learners, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I give them the task, and there might be kids that are still struggling with the same kind of exercises, right? So um, I have I put up the sign in my class, and everyone that's finished with the task can go to the bus stop sign, right? Right. And wait for someone to help. So if someone else finishes, he or she goes to the bus stop sign. And then they talk to each other, right? So it's very collaborative. They can talk about the task, compare results, discuss if this is right or wrong. Uh, they can look up in dictionaries or whatsoever, right? Um, mm -hmm. And they can try to figure out what the correct answer is, specifically when they do writing, right? When I ask them to write, I don't know, about their hobbies or whatsoever, right? Yeah. Um, they can just give each other feedback. And then also I ask them to correct mistakes if they can, right? And at the mm -hmm. end of this, 
um, they can um, come to me for advice if they need, right? But I make sure that I always rock around the classroom and see how things are working uh, and I'm there to help, right? So um, I, I feel that this is a very good, good way of, um, you know, combining. So, and also, well, not really combining, but it's a good way to make those that need extra help um, actually ask for help, right? Sometimes yeah. it's easier for them to ask fellow students rather than a, than teacher. Yeah, yeah. And also for those that are very fast, right, fast learners um, to actually uh, switch roads and become teachers, right? So right. that on a certain level, they go, they kind of um, have or they at the end they have deeper knowledge right they don't know not they do not only know how to uh, i don't know finish a task but they also know how to explain it to others so this is something something that works very well mm. and it helps them process that information yeah as well exactly. that that information By becoming the information yeah. exactly um a question mm. to the bus stop task maria um when they're in that bus stop stage and they're negotiating yeah. meaning they're discussing do you um insist that they use english which is the foreign language to them or are they allowed to talk to each other in their l1 german uh tense, right um usually before i do bus stop uh, bus stops um i prepare the students that's always important right you can just mm -hmm introduce a new thing to class you just have to prepare them usually when i do this like say year six seven eight right they um they they get phrases for discussion right oh, um, yeah. so they know how to give feedback so they have useful phrases that help them to discuss yeah um that's what i do before right it's it uh, has to go into my planning uh, of the session, mm. right? Um, so I have to think on that. And then they usually can give each other feedback, right? Okay. Um, so let's say if it's year five and they've just learned English, right? They can't really do it. Um, I try to do it with like easy phrases, um, but usually then I allow them to use their name. Okay. And, and you've gone through a couple of, I mean, you've got, the experience of teaching at different levels so when they come in in yeah. germany when they come in at year five um they're yeah. kind of still at elementary level and you've done six and seven and some higher levels do you find yeah. that they're more confident having done a particular you know having for example having done bus stop with you that they they know what it's for that they're more confident in giving feedback and asking for help um yeah, I think they do, um, but it kind of changes again. Well, it's, it also depends on the personality, of course, right? So right. there might be students that love it, right? Others don't like it, right? They don't like to talk to each other. They're not collaborative learners. Uh, you have right. to, to consider all this, right? Take all this into account. But sometimes I see that uh, around, yeah, when they're around 13, 14, um, it becomes more difficult to be honest, right? Uh, because yeah. then they're teenagers, they have other problems, right? They don't um, take things so seriously anymore. 
So, um, yeah, sometimes the bus stop um, can be problematic at these age groups, but um, so like the little ones, five, year five, six, they really like it usually. And then later on when they are older, um, this is a good method as well. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned that you mentioned, um, if, if I sum it up, it's, it's an attitude to learning, right? That they, some of, mm, of course. them, you know, they have different attitudes that there will be those who feel, well, you're the teacher. So it's your job to teach me and give me the information. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then there's the responses to, to teaching methods and, and practices. Some some students, mm -hmm. like you say, depending on the age, and I hear it also from, from my own kids, you know, some of them, my son, for example, who's in primary school, loves being, you know, the person to be asked. He's he's a native speaker yeah. of English in a German primary school. So he yeah. loves it, you know, when when the teacher when when they're stuck and then the teacher says, Oh well, we don't know the answer. Let's see what Sean says. Um he loves yeah. it. Um I know older kids and I had that discussion in my teaching last week where um someone said for older kids being identified as the so called experts gets embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah, right. that's that, that's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you deal with that? Do you think it's it's something that you as a teacher need to be attuned to? That that you have to be aware of of your students' responses. Maybe not every single student, not every single response. But um, do you think it's something that um, teachers need to be aware of how students respond of course. to methods? Of course. There are so many nice methods, right? Um, mm -hmm. They're great in theory. But um, you can buy these books with, I don't know, 100 teaching methods for a very, uh, I don't know, engaging learning environment. But in the end, it depends on the students, right? So um, as I said, it has to do with personalities. And um, at, when they're at the certain age, it's it really depends, right? So the method yeah. can be good, but if it's not the correct, not the right method for the age group and not the right method um, for what you're trying to teach them, that it's, then it's useless. So you have to definitely be aware of this. So I know that in some of my year seven classes, I can do a certain method or I can teach through a certain method. And let's say in a different class, I can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that they always get away, right? So sometimes I'll say, well, this is how we want to do it um, because there's a certain goal behind this, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I'll make them do it no matter what. Um, but um, I reduce these instances to, let's say, topics where I know they are they could be really interested, right? Okay. And then okay. being experts, then then is is different, right? So, for example, um, I had to teach I don't know uh, Scotland, right? Yeah. Uh, or Ireland, right? And I know that. Maybe they are not interested in history and all that stuff, right? But then I know, for example, there are some guys that like to play football. And then I try to change the task, right? So make them do an expert session on football teams or whatsoever, right? Or on sports. And then it works. Then they don't really feel embarrassed and they take care, right, of what they're yeah. actually doing and they do the research. So 
yeah, it's sometimes tricky. Expect, uh, yeah. yeah, but it's motivating. So what you've done actually is to deal with this difference um, in interests is, um, you know, where their interests actually diverges from what's in the curriculum, what's in the yes. syllabus. What you've done is that you've tried to identify what motivates them, what interests them, and try to, you know, try to fit it in into your yes. syllabus. And, and, yes. and that's actually a skill that, you know, teachers need to have. There, there are some who, Absolutely. who feel pressured. Um, I mean, the curriculum isn't that strict, right? If you actually think about it, um, you have to talk, let's say, about Scotland. I mean, there are so many ways. Of course, grammar, you have to do the grammar, but you can be creative, right? Right. Um, so I think, um, of course, with the years, um, it's a lot easier for you. I know that in the first, let's say, two years of being on a full position, life can be hard, right? Because you yeah. have to consider all these methods and have like uh, a certain amount of tasks at hand. But the longer you do it, the better a teacher you are and the more relaxed you are, I, I feel, right? Because you could say, been there, done that. Um, I know what works, I know, I know what doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So um, it becomes easier. Yeah. Can you and share with sometimes us? Sometimes I just yeah. ask them, right? Sometimes uh -huh. I just ask them, right? Sometimes I just say, okay, what would you be interested in? What do you find is, or what do you think is um, a good way of dealing with this? Um, what would you like to do? And then see if I can include them somehow in the process. Mm. And that, though, some might argue, actually creates more work for you as a teacher. There'll be those yes, who say, I, I'm so busy enough as it is, and I've got all this work. And if I'm going to, you know, pander to everybody's interest, um, yeah. I'm going to double my workload. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. well, it depends. It depends, right? It, it, it can. It can, of course, uh, double your workload. But um, you'll see that once you do the, I mean, it also depends on the amount of work, right? So if they right. say, can we, can you come up with a complete new um, topic and introduce this or that? No, maybe I will not, right? But if it, right. it's the little things that count, right? So, Definitely. Um, also, yeah. So if I just, okay. Um, so if you do this task now and concentrate, then maybe we can do this. And this is like sometimes I call it the class contract, right? So right. you have to summon it. Basically, if you say, um, work on this probably, but then we're done with this. And then I usually say we can do something fun or something like that, right? Yeah. I like that so you're you're another one. You're another one of my guests who mentions the class who has mentioned the class contract. I've got quite a few guests, and when we talk about you know behavior in the classroom or different activities for teaching teens, it's it always comes back to the the contract in the classroom. And since you know you're one of the many people I've spoken to who's, who's mentioned it, um, it it must be something worth doing. Everybody seems to talk about it. Maria, do you have a story for us? Can you tell us a story where you had a really good activity and it just fell flat? Oh, yes. When I was still in, in teacher training, mm -hmm. um, I had this one visit from my tutor 
and um, I knew the class, but not that well, right? Yeah. I was only teaching three sessions a week out of five. Mm -hmm. So I knew there were some students in there that were very good. It was year five, just beginning of the school year. And um, the idea was to teach, yeah, it was a listening comprehension. And for that listening comprehension, they had to know propositions. So right. I really came up with a plan, creative plan. It involved um, pet toys and I don't know what um, to introduce <laughs> the prepositions. And then I created a listening comprehension. Um, I had uh, so many questions for so many different levels, right? Um, and then this one student, of, uh, I knew that he was good at English because he wasn't a native, he wasn't native, not his native language, but his parents trained him in English since he's been, I don't know, two years or something like that um, of age. And, uh, so he did never really talk. Right. Right. So, and so. I created all this stuff. The others were really enjoying it. And I handed out my worksheets. And before I even uh, pressed the button for the listening comprehension, he had read through all of the worksheets and yeah. answered all of the questions. And I was like, oh. what is happening? Right? Oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was not the best day of of my life i'd say right so okay. and the problem was he said he started talking in english with me perfect english yeah um the other kids didn't understand right and right. that was really a tricky situation because i had to kind of include him in the process but at the same time um the others were completely lost and uh yeah that that was a really stressful situation and mm. um the only way I could actually deal with him later on was then give him an extra task, right? Yeah. Do the listening comprehension again so that the others were actually, you know, were able to follow. And then I would usually give him tasks that were a bit more difficult. And then I uh, came up with this idea where at the beginning of each school year, I printed out, um, let's say, stories for kids. Mm -hmm. And whenever that student finished working on the tasks, right? I'd say, go on, read your story. So um, that on a different level, that kid, sh that kid could actually, um, yeah, become back engage. to English, you know? Yeah. yeah, and and engage with the lesson. So what, what you've yeah. done is, you know, you've kind of included that child in the lesson without excluding anybody. Yeah. Right, yeah. because they, 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 the others were still getting something, and and they still had work to do. And at the same time, he was given work that was all given something to do. Yeah, the but that, but that really is the problem, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's really difficult. Um, you should, um, you know, usually if you have thirty kids in one classroom, there will always be ones that are very fast you know there's they're rather slow learners um but at the end of the day they have to reach a certain goal yeah. and um you can't always say um so that's a mistake that you do when you're 
And when you start teaching, you say, all right, so it's always the five kids. They're very fast. They answer the question. The rest has to move on. No, right? Mm -hmm. Just have to take care of the others and include them in the process and make sure they understand and, and rather differentiate, right? Have different instructions, have different yeah. levels, um, varied instructional materials, or also flexible grouping. Uh, or even sometimes individualized learning plans, which is um, which can be um, can be necessary, right? Yeah. So, or even adapt assessment whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I have that. Um, so you're talking about students, you know, learners who some are faster than the others. I have that in my um, annual feedback a lot. We we have that now at at university. I teach language classes at university and at the end of every semester, halfway through the semester, we run course evaluations. And one thing that comes up very frequently in my feedback, it, and it's usually always the slower students, and I know it's the slower students because the feedback says, um, you need to slow down. Too difficult. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's never the fast students who say, um, you need to go faster. So the mm. you know, I, I I always get told or I get told often in the feedback I need to slow down and and sometimes I do wonder the question or for me the question is if you're slow it's you know it's perfectly okay to be slow I I accept that that you know different learners work at you know at a different pace. However, my question is really at the end of the day why are you slow are you slow because it's simply your style of working um, my kids are very slow at, at doing their work um, i look at them and sometimes i think you know this and yet it takes you hours something that would take any other child 10 minutes would take my son for example 45 minutes so I know it's to do with his pace and his teacher has said that um, in the last you know, year, he's, he's getting faster at, at his work. So a question we need to ask when, when, when somebody says you need to slow down is, do I need to slow down because I'm too fast for you and you're struggling to keep up because you're finding it difficult? Or do I need to slow down because you in general just are not a fast worker? What kind hmm. of learners have you got, Maria? Are you, have you got those who are just simply not fast, who can't keep up with the pace, as we would say? Or, you know, do you have those who, who are just slow because they're struggling to keep up with the content? Mm, both. I think I've, I have both kind of learners. Um, <clears throat> so some kids are really slow, right? But right. that's the normal human traits right some are faster yeah. than others others are slow that's perfectly fine right mm -hmm. um but um you really just have to analyze right why uh as you say why are they slow right um yeah sometimes i have like daydreamers right <laughs> uh, oh yes they stare outside of the window right instead of concentrate many of the kids that i have certain certainly at year five when they come from primary school um you know it can be difficult for them to settle at a new school, right? To concentrate right. on the school subjects, not have playing periods or what, 
whatsoever, right? Um, and I can actually see them kind of doze off just because they're tired or it's just a lot of information, right, that they have um, to deal with. But it has sometimes really a lot to do with concentration. I feel that many kids nowadays, I, I, I know that's, that's risky to say, but I feel that many of them have problems to concentrate on simple tasks. Yes, um, I've heard that, yeah. It's, it's just the problem of focusing. Sometimes I feel like maybe, and maybe it's just an idea. It's, it's, I'm not really sure if that's always the case, right? But I sometimes uh, see students that do nothing but play video games and all that stuff, right? Mm. I see that sometimes they actually have problems to focus on one task, right? To do just yeah that one time they do everything at the same time right yeah. and they also have problems to decide if if what i'm feeling right now is is important now right yeah. so okay. appropriate appropriate behavior but if it's also important so maybe i we go through a new grammar session right mm -hmm. and then they say can i go to the bathroom do you really need to go to the bathroom right now do you think it's appropriate right to do that yeah. now, five minutes before the the lesson ends, something All like right, this. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Prioritizing can often be a problem. Concentration can be a problem, and um, listening as well, of course, right? Yeah. But um, if they're slow, they have to work on this, right? So usually, I if I see that half of the class, or let's say even a third of the class, still hasn't got it right i go back a few steps and say okay let's try to explain this once again or i ask fellow students to say can you explain it to um to this or that kid, right mm -hmm. let's focus let's um let's summarize again what have we learned so far so i involve these elements in my teaching yeah. Um, but at a certain point where see, it's always, uh, and, and again, it's experience, right? When you can, can tell it's always the same kind of students that are behind. And then yeah. you talk to the other teachers in that class. Are they the same in German classes or are they the same in history classes? Is it just basically their work ethic? Right. 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 Um, then it's something I, I, I would say, they would have to to work on it right i can't right. always go several steps back because the others also have a right to move on you know what i mean yes they and, and so, they need to move on exactly because yeah they need you know, to move on otherwise they get bored and then yeah um they are disturbing the class and stuff like this right because yeah. um but then yeah but i know yeah, that I mean, then sometimes the, yeah go ahead sorry um, no, um, you, yeah, it, it, we've, yeah, we've done it again. It, it I'll just say it. Um, what you get is disruptive behavior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have uh, to always keep them busy. Exactly. And I mean, the question then also at the end of the day is um, how slow is acceptable? Is it? Yeah. I mean, we 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 accept and we recognize that that people work, as you say, it's it's a human trait. We all work at different yeah. paces, and and at some point, there's a just especially in a classroom in a collaborative learning environment, um, there 
is a point where that level of slow is no longer no longer acceptable. acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to in our next bit. I'd like to touch with you. Uh, I'd like to touch on neurodiversity. I know you mentioned you had um, you have a child. Um, an autistic child in your class. I know of teachers yeah. who've t spoken about children on the spectrum, ADD, ADHD, um, Asperger's. Yeah. And we'll talk about that shortly. But first... This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations budding aspirations our goal to make edtech accessible and teaching exceptional join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of january 2024 as we make education better together ticket off your christmas list today get your free ticket before the 13th of december deadline Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Guardian features comment on a parliamentary report which is calling for an overhaul of secondary education in England. The House of Lords report says the education system for 11 to 16 year olds is too focused on academic learning and written exams. The report also calls for the English Baccalaureate or EBAC introduced by Michael Gove during his tenure as Education Secretary to be scrapped as a school performance measure. The government ambition for 90% of Year 10 pupils to be entered for EBAC subjects by 2025 is criticised for being too limiting and not allowing pupils to study a range of subjects. Criticism is also levelled at the overburdened curriculum as a result of content and the 25 to 30 hours of examinations at the end of Year 11. The report echoes some concerns expressed by some teachers and school leaders. Recommendations include allowing schools to offer a more varied range of learning experiences, more opportunities to study creative, vocational and technical subjects, and that pupils should have the option to take functional literacy and numeracy qualifications that are equal in value to GCSEs in English and Maths. Former Education Minister under the Conservatives, Joe Johnson, says the evidence received was compelling and that change was urgently needed. Former Education Secretary Kenneth Baker said dropping the EBAC would give schools greater freedom. Unions welcomed the calls but said school funding, recruitment and retention and cutting workload were essential to making any changes a possibility. A Department for Education spokesperson said, 
We are constantly seeing the success of our reforms, citing recently released PISA rankings and being named best in the West for primary reading out of a comparable 43 countries. The Observer focuses on Scottish schools dropping the PISA ratings and featured an opinion piece by Sonia Soda. The piece lays blame squarely on the curriculum reform which began under the SNP in 2010. It changed the focus from knowledge, emphasising the development of transferable skills. The approach is linked to the idea of preparing children with skills they need for jobs that don't exist yet. But the article says this is a theory based on zero evidence. The article goes on to make links to other countries which made similar changes and saw similar declines, including Sweden and France. It also focuses on the impact such a curriculum has on disadvantaged pupils, increasing, it says, the gap between the non-disadvantaged peers. As the House of Lords report levels criticism at a so-called traditional system in England, it seems that Scotland's more progressive approach is being seen in a similarly negative light. The BBC World Service features a piece on universities in Hong Kong. Once attracting talent from around the world, now academics via Beijing is restricting academic freedom. In 2021 to 22, more than 360 scholars left eight public universities. The turnover rate, 7.4%, is at its highest since 1997, when Hong Kong returned to Chinese rule. Foreign student enrolments have dropped by 13% since 2019. Security guards are now a common sight in universities, ensuring that students and visitors must identify themselves. At the Chinese University of Hong Kong, the democracy wall has been stripped bare and a statue of the goddess of democracy is gone. The 2020 national security law targets subversive behaviour and has seen libraries emptied of books of bad ideologies and a ban on protests. Job applications for professors have dried up and fewer students are enrolling for PhDs in humanities and social sciences. Some academics say that even being an expert on China is a risk these days. Further details on this story can be found on the BBC News website. Pupils in Liverpool got a Shakespeare masterclass from Rafe Fiennes, which they described as weird but outstanding. The Harry Potter actor is starring in Macbeth at Liverpool's The Depot, but was supporting the Friends with Shakespeare event in a local school. The workshop included warm-up games, group work and language analysis. The star also focused on the theme of ambition in Macbeth and linked it to future plans and careers for students. Finally, GCHQ has released its annual brain teaser for UK school children. Its code-breaking challenge is aimed at 11 to 18-year-olds. More than 1,000 secondary schools signed up for this year's event, according to the BBC Breakfast programme. It is the third edition of the challenge, and it is designed to test code-breaking, maths and analysis skills, with each test designed to be harder than the last. There are seven tasks in total, and children are encouraged to tackle them in teams, as solving puzzles needs a mix of minds. The full challenge can be found on the GCHQ website, just in case you want to test your own skills. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. So we're back, Maria, for this last bit here about neurodiversity in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, 
tell me about your experience with neurodiverse students. Have you got a yeah, lot? You mentioned you have this one student that you know is autistic. So is that with a diagnosis? Were you informed or is yeah. that just... I have. Mm-hmm. I actually have two. two. Um, I was informed um, at the beginning of the school year. Um, we had um, a conversation. I had a conversation and my fellow um, teachers um we had a conversation with the parents. Um, they told us what was important to their kid, um, what they've learned basically about the kids at primary school, um, how we could try to incorporate that knowledge in or teaching here at the secondary school. So this is what we did before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was and then it was really just First, um, first step was to get to know each other, really, right? Right. Um, and it, it also, it's important to know what kind of of neurodivergent, um, yeah, say features, yeah, or yeah, characteristics, characteristics the yeah, kid, yeah, the kid, um, displays. the kid has, right? So mm-hmm. displays, yeah, exactly. So this one kid, um, so. Um, he is uh, autistic, right? Um, yeah. And you can see that, for example, when you have partner work or group work, right? That's that's always a bit difficult. Right. Um, the girl tries to work on her own, right? Okay. Um, and she she doesn't really um, so that that that's really a problem, right? So. Um, she tries to 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 stick out. Um, tries to to work on the task her own herself, right? And this girl has rather um, a stronger relationship to the teacher than to the classmates, right? So okay, yeah, that that's interesting, right? Um, so you have to be aware to be aware of that, right? Uh, and also what's what I see is that it's very important with both of the students that I have, though, are even though they are very different, right? Uh, that they both need to have very structured, very structured uh, environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have problems to, let's say, um, have all their material, the exercise books, their the textbooks whatsoever, right? Um, at hand when they actually have to work with it yeah um they it's 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 very important to establish clear routines that's also something um that i've learned um for example we had this one day um here at school where the kids had to come to school on a saturday um basically for visitors to come and have a look at you know how we teach yeah and that was really a difficult thing for that child right uh, because right. it was a saturday and it, they were not supposed to be in school um yeah so routines um are very important right um saying hello at the beginning um mm-hmm. at the class in the class together with a routine um yeah so so that's something um that I try to establish in my classes where I know um, there is, for example, an autistic child on there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and familiar also, activities, yeah. right, Maria? Familiar and probably activities. familiar activities. And if you wanted to do something new, then maybe just one new thing rather than eight new things in the yeah, same session. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you have to, to have clear instructions, right? So, for example, if we write a class test or something, usually I would have like different tasks on one sheet of paper. Can't do this, yeah. right? Okay. I print out one task on one sheet of paper, give clear instructions, right? Very simple language, um, small steps to basically explain each sub-step, yeah? Yeah. Um, And make sure that your task is phrased uh, very precisely, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise... That can't be a problem. Something like, um, but the task didn't say we have to do this, right? So I remember right. I had this one task um, where year five as well, my kids at this point, they were not able to write a dialogue, right? So right. in the textbook, yep. they had an exercise where they were given phrases, right? And they just had to put it in the right order. Um, but it was also... Um, um, they had to do on their own, right? So the phrases weren't in the text that they read beforehand, but they were just given phrases and they have to, had to put them in the correct order to make a dialogue, right? Basically scaffolding. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. was, that was impossible, right? That was impossible for that one child um, because she always said, that, but, but these sentences, they're not in the text. He said, they don't right. have to be in the text. Right? Um, right. You just have to imagine this is the conversation that the characters have after, right, what's happening in the text. You right. actually, that was the problem. And I see, um, so, so that could be problematic, right? So mm-hmm. um, I've become aware of, of that very much. Um, yeah. So, and able to anticipate, um, I think, what, what you're saying absolutely. is not, not so much, you know, part, part of that awareness really is your ability yeah. to anticipate. And it's something that, that we mentioned at the beginning. Well, you mentioned it. You said um, everything we do, you know, to tackle, um, to address these differences in our classroom, it all begins in the lesson planning stage. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, part of it is anticipating differences and, and what what you said. I like what you said where um, at the beginning of the school year, there was this dialogue between, you know, the teaching team and the parent where you, you know, I, I think it, it was a really, really positive thing that that as a school, your teaching team were informed by the parents of, you know, things that worked, things that they themselves had experienced with their child Mm -hmm. and they knew what worked and what didn't. Um, We don't always have that. And and we also have neurodivergent behavior that's not diagnosed. And and I think, I think, you know, this with the diagnosis that's Sometimes I think we take it too far. I, I, I would love to yeah. see a day where as teachers, we just, you know, recognize and accept that different people learn differently. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
in addition to that piece of advice about, you know, everything begins in a lesson plan, what advice would you give to people starting out, to young people who are still in initial teacher training mm. about mm. differences in the classroom? Honestly, calm down. Yes, honestly. Don't be afraid. <laughs> honestly. Calm down, right? Uh, when I started um, after my teacher training, I was so worried about this. Mm -hmm. And I worried so much that sometimes when I was actually teaching, I didn't notice all these uh, little things that count so much, right? Yeah. Trust in your ability, and this is the most important, rather than coming up um, with several tasks um, tasks in, I don't know, in a week to be prepared for the whole school year, rather focus on what's happening right now at, in the classroom, analyze your students, um, try to understand how they think, how they feel, and then mm -hmm. by time it will be a lot easier for you um, to, to find the right task, you'll get a feeling. So um, I often see um, yeah, me as well, right? <laughs> I yeah. always came to that, oh my God, I have to prepare this class. I have, if that doesn't work, I have a plan B and that doesn't work, I have a plan C. I have, it's good to do so, right? But right. no, uh, it's trial and error, right? Mm. Um, you, I always think of Beckett's fail again, fail better right so okay. um yeah because if you worry too much um you will have so much extra work you get distressed and um so usually i say so when you're at the planning stage think of the few tasks that you can do extra right, um, right. that you have at hand and then work your way around it um, it's it has to do a lot with classroom management, and this is something you learn by doing it. Yeah, it kind of brings us back to what um, Miria and Lisa said at the beginning. A lot of it has to do with personality as well, right? Yes. You'll have yes. you'll have the teacher who's who's really anxious, who 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 prides themselves in doing right by everybody, whereas you know, you can't actually always do right by everybody. You have the perfectionist, you have the one who, who, who who's afraid that they've let somebody down. Um, and yeah. I think, so, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And uh, I think, um, I mean, if you're a perfectionist, right, you're a perfectionist, perfectly fine, right? But what I hear, I sometimes have the feeling that I have to be perfect in order to be a good teacher. That's not true. Right. By the end mm. of the day, what really counts for the kids most is your personality as a human being and not what you taught them. Right. Most yeah. of them. Right. Think back yeah. on your school year. What do you remember? I don't remember so much what I was being taught, but I remember teachers and their personalities. Yeah. Right? So um, 
you know, that that is really important. And I think um, it's no shame if, if, if sometimes tasks don't work or a plan, a lesson plan that you, or a lesson that you planned doesn't work out, then just be honest and say, all right, that didn't work so well, right? How could we yeah. ask the kids? I, I've done that. How could we uh, improve that? What could we yeah. have done instead, right? Involve yeah. them and, and they learn something by doing that, right? Um, yeah. Life's not perfect um, and everyone makes mistakes and that's something that I, want them to be aware of that teachers can make mistakes and it's absolutely no problem if they do mistakes right yeah um because i feel that there are so many kids right now um I, i've seen that over the last couple of years um they've become so perfectionist right they are afraid to make mistakes um and they are at a young age having panic attacks um, before class tests, where right. they um, are afraid to speak in front of others, or they develop eating disorders. Um, so <laughs> this is important for me, right? So try to not see to be them perfect. As, yeah, to see the kids as 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 humans, you know, as as, as humans, um, be them. human, and yeah. and it's it's no problem. You just you know, you can have a feedback session, say, well, that didn't work out so well. What could we do better next time? And then try to learn yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah. Or how can I do better for you? How can I do better? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. what it's what I talked about with Louise two weeks ago also, um, you know, okay. with yeah. social emotional learning. Exactly. You know, yeah. you, you're telling the kids, I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't expect you um, to get, that a grade you do the best you can and and i think yes. for, especially for language learning if they're afraid yes. to speak they're afraid to articulate they're afraid to use that language they're not going to to learn they'll always be be stuck they'll always have that fear of using the language yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I have a thing you you taught us or you taught me today about um your bus stop method i had a thing recently <laughs> i read it somewhere and it's called brain break um yeah. and the the science behind it basically says that they had two groups of of students um and with one group they worked you know 90 minutes straight through without a break in the middle in between tasks and in between topics there was no break and then in the second group they had this break in the middle um and it was called a brain break and i tried that with my class so the study um, indicate that the results from the study showed that the classes that had the brain break just simply performed better. And at yeah. the end of the class, they were, you know, motivated. They, the retention of information was, was better. And I tried that out with my class um, this past week. I don't know about the retention of information, but first of all, they really, really liked the brain break. I yeah. put it in mm -hmm. um, when we switched from one topic to the next. Um, it mm -hmm. gave the students who were a bit slower finishing up a previous task, it gave them the time to yeah. catch up without yeah. feeling pressured to catch up. And those who were finished early didn't feel that they were being disruptive. They knew that, okay, they could just switch off for now. They had their brain break. And I think um, that's one thing that I learned. So um, before we go, though, this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources 
to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Ticket off your Christmas list today. Get your free ticket before the 13th of December deadline. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. So um, today we talked about students who, um, as we know from our own teaching experience, all have different levels of motivation, attitudes to learning, and even in their responses to specific classroom environments and our teaching methods and practices. Maria shared with us that a lot of the ideas that you read may be great in theory, but may not necessarily work out in your lessons. So everything begins in the lesson planning stage. And that's it for this episode of the Monday Morning Break. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our conversation. Can't get enough of us? Join us this evening when Ray and her guests explore how to build independent learners. Thank you very much, Maria, for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.